Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of Makers Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. Be seated. Be seated. If you're joining us this morning online, we are honored that you're worshiping right here at Makers Church. In fact, Makers Church, give those folks who are watching a hand right now. Let them know you love them. It's good to have them here too. And let me, I want to do this as we get started today. It's week two of us going under construction. Somebody said under construction. And, 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 and if you're wondering, I just now thought about how the tree would impact how you see the slides. I did not think about that. So if you have trouble seeing, forgive me, that was not on purpose. That's an accident. Thank you for your grace. Um, but uh, we started this series uh, last week, and I told you we're finishing this year. We're embracing one of these principles because I don't know about you, I've got expectation for next year in the Lord. I've got expectation for 2023, and I told you a little bit, and I'll really unpack it as we get into January. I heard the Lord tell me that in 2023, this is our year to rise. Somebody shout rise. And it's our year to rise in Jesus' name. It's our year as people, as the people of God, as Maker's Church to rise. And I want us to step into 2023, church, in rhythm with the Holy Spirit. Because can I just tell you, I believe the bride of Christ is rising in the fullness of her identity and power to keep pushing back darkness and advance light everywhere that we go. I believe that's what God desires his bride to do. And can I tell you, I just believe in 2023 that we're not only going to rise, but we're going to shine with the light of Jesus everywhere that we go. I believe in 2023 we're going to rise and we're going to reap a harvest of souls of people that don't know Jesus around us. I believe we're going to rise and see the glory and the power of God in our homes, in this house, on the east side of Cincinnati, and everywhere we go. I believe we're going to take territory for the kingdom in 2023. If you believe that, somebody shout amen in this house. I believe that's what God is doing and speaking to us. But can I tell you, if you've got that kind of expectation, expectation demands preparation. Expectation demands preparation. And this is where we find ourselves even today because we're in this series as we finish the year. Not what you would typically talk about, but we're committed to going under construction under construction. And last week we joked about how it seems like the entire east side of Cincinnati has been under construction this year. Can I get a witness? It's everywhere you go. I'm seeing those orange barrels in my sleep and I am sick of it. There's been road work and construction everywhere. Highway 32, I don't know what they're doing, but there's a monstrosity they're building over there. Right here near our church, they took away our deceleration turn lane. I got mad about that, and we'll talk about that later. Even in my own neighborhood, can I tell you, after I preached about going under construction, I brought the kids to the academy Monday morning. I pull up, and there is water coming out of the ground. How many of you guys know that's not a good thing? And I, I, I was like, oh no, I think we have a water leak. So we called a plumber and he came and he was awesome. But guess what? They had to get their backhoe, they had to get their trucks and they started digging up all the dirt and putting up orange cones. I was like, oh Lord, it's happening again, right here. It's under construction. I should have known, I just preached about it. And then after we get that settled, I get back in my car, I'm driving home and then they're doing new construction and road work on the main road leaving my neighborhood. You can imagine how I felt in that moment. Luckily, I had some Christmas tree cakes in the middle console of my car. So I opened one up and I finished the morning a little better as a result of that. 
But everywhere we go, it seems like we're seeing barrels and construction and caution tape and, and men with hats and Pastor Brad out here directing traffic. That was great. But we're seeing those things everywhere, church. And I told you last week, I was really okay with all the construction. I had gotten accustomed to it. But when they started doing the construction down at the road right here at our church, that's when I got irritated. And I told the Lord I got irritated. And I told you guys that last week. And the Lord spoke to me when I said I was irritated. And he said, Derek, what you see happening outside the church is what needs to happen inside the church. What you see happening outside the church is what needs to happen inside the church. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm listening. And he said, Derek, he said, I desire for my people to go under construction before you finish this year. Under construction, somebody say under construction. Under construction, and let me remind you why. We're going under construction because he is preparing us for what's to come. That should stir up faith in somebody that he is preparing us for what's to come. See, what does it mean to go under construction? It, it, it means that something is unfinished and it's actively being worked on. If something goes under construction, it means something is unfinished and it's actively being worked on. How many of you guys know that describes you and me? We are, listen, we are not complete quite yet. We are unfinished a little bit. And God is actively working on you and me from the inside out. Let me show you what I mean we're still being worked on. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, I am convinced and confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. I hate to burst somebody's bubble on a Sunday, but how many of you guys know you're not perfect yet? All the men ought to say Amen. Women are a lot closer than we are. Come on, ladies, help me out. That's the truth. He's still working on us. How about 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the latter half of that verse? And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. How many of you guys know that we're supposed to look like Jesus? We're supposed to look like Jesus. But then I go further, Philippians 2.13. It says, for God has not worked in you, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So I've got good news today. He's still working on you and me. He's still working on you and me. Why? So we can continue to look like him and live like him. So we can continue to look like him and live like him. Here's the thing, though, church. The promise that God gives us about continuing to become more like him and continuing to be fruitful in our relationship with Jesus, it's not called under construction in his word. He calls it pruning. He doesn't call it under construction. He calls it pruning. And we started looking at the promise of pruning last week. And I want you, if you've got your Bibles or your device, or follow me on the screen if you can see behind this tree, I want you to see John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. And go ahead as you're getting there, look to your neighbor and say, get ready to be pruned. Come on, tell them. Get ready to be pruned. Get ready to be pruned. John 15, verses 1 through 5. Here's what Jesus said. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. How many of you guys can understand now that God is our God and also our gardener? Come on, says it right there. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. 
You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will what? Remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. Listen, don't let anybody ever tell you they're fruitful if they're not connected to Jesus. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you, not, can be, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce some fruit. Much. Everybody shout much. Much fruit. But from apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we see very quickly some incredible things about our life. And anybody thankful for life in Jesus? Come on. We're, we see some incredible things about life in Christ. And we see this promise called pruning. The promise are pruning. When our God and gardener, when he prunes us, that's when we go under construction. That's when we go under construction. Now remember for a minute, when something is under construction, it means that it's unfinished and it's actively being worked on. And it's happening so what, what is there can become better. It's happening. Something goes under construction so it can become better. Church, can I tell you, when something is being pruned, it's being tra trimmed and shaped and cut, that means it's becoming better. God does not prune you for any other reason, but he wants you to be better than you currently are. He wants you to keep growing and becoming more and more like Jesus in every part of your lives. And so we have to see that God's doing this so we can continue to grow and be in the fullness of what he has for our lives. When we go under construction, church, we're actually receiving one of God's promises called pruning that blesses and benefits us in supernatural ways. If you believe that, say amen. So we've been talking about pruning. We just started. And we talked about from John 15. You could go back. Throw it, go ahead and throw those scriptures back on, Christy. It says that we've been pruned before. How many of you guys know we've been pruned before when we got saved? We got sin and darkness and evil pruned away from us because God pruned us so we could receive the blood of Jesus and receive salvation in him. Praise God. Everybody praise God for that pruning. We needed that pruning. But how many of you guys remember it's not one pruning and you're done? It's not one pruning and it's over. Because the truth is, is when you are connected to the vine who is Jesus, we have times and seasons where God will cut away parts of us that are unfruitful. Where God will cut back places that have been fruitful so they can be even more fruitful. That's what God promises he will do. And so I want you to catch this as we see this. Even though you may not fully understand the promise and the principle yet, can I just remind you, pruning is not punishment. Pruning is not punishment. God doesn't prune you to punish you. God prunes you because he is preparing you for the great things that are coming in into your life. He prunes you because he is preparing you. There is, can I just remind you, there is more for you in your life in Jesus. Come on, somebody. There is more for you in your life in Christ. There's more to accomplish in the world for the kingdom. There's greater to be revealed in you and through you with the revelational power of the Holy Spirit than you experience. And so when the Father comes and he wants to prune you, when he wants to prune Maker's Church, he's not hurting us, he's helping us. He's helping you and me by pruning. Why? He's helping in a way that we can't help ourselves because he is preparing us for greater. 
He's preparing us for greater. Somebody say greater. So what does that mean? That means pruning is a blessing. Pruning is a blessing in our lives. You should know that you are blessed that God would love you enough to put you under construction. That God would love you enough to prune you in a way that you could be even more fruitful in the kingdom of God. So the next time that God comes and says, hey, I need to prune you, don't you dare let the enemy come in and make you bitter while God's actually trying to make you better. Because when you get pruned, God says, I'm preparing you for more. I'm preparing you for what's next. So can I just go ahead and tell you today, that means just like we praise God for protection and we praise God for provision and we praise God for peace and we praise God for all of his promises, that we should also take time and thank him and praise him that he prunes us. So go on, practice right now. Go ahead, somebody give the Lord praise that he's our pruner. Come on, give the Lord praise that he's our pruner. Yes, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I'm thankful that God prunes us. You say, Pastor, why is this so important? Because if you don't understand why God prunes you, then you will always think you're under attack when you're really under construction. You'll always think you're under attack. God, why do these people keep leaving me? Honey, you're not being punished. He's, getting, he's making you better. Why, why do all these things keep happening that I wasn't expecting? God, obviously I'm being punished. No, son, you're being prepared for the greater that God has for your life. And so rather than thinking we're under attack, we're being loved because we're going under construction. And so for the rest of our time today, I wanna look at one of the four general principles of pruning. We're gonna look at the other three next week. I wanna look at one today, one of these general principles of pruning. If you remember, every good pruner knows these four things I'm about to share with you. Every good pruner knows these, knows these four things. Number one, a good pruner knows what to prune. He knows what to prune. He also knows where to prune, or she. She may know where to prune, that's fine too. Number three, a good pruner knows when to prune. And then number four, this is important, we'll talk about why next week. A good pruner knows how often to prune. A good pruner knows how often to prune. And I've got a willing volunteer today that's gonna let me uh, do some pruning. His name is, his name is Timmy. Um, uh, don't say hello, he won't respond. <laughs> and if he does respond, we wanna check your medication before you leave, okay? Is that good? All right. But he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna let me uh, do some demonstration today uh, with him because the principle I wanna look at today is what to prune. Everybody say what to prune. And if your neighbor did not say that to you, you have my permission to look at them and say, don't be a prune. Come on, tell them right now. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> I mean, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. <laughs> if somebody, if you're new watching us online, it's not always this crazy. It's worse. It's so fun. <laughs> the Lord is good. But listen, our God and our gardener, he must prune our lives. Everybody say must. He must prune our lives, church. And here is why. It's only when we are pruned that we produce much fruit. It's only when we are pruned that we produce much fruit. Why, because John 15, eight, he, Jesus didn't say that you glorify your father when you produce some fruit. He said when you produce much fruit. Can I just go ahead and preach for a minute? We've got too many sons and daughters of God in the earth settling, settling for some when God said much. We've got too many people still doing some things when God said, I didn't tell you to do some of that, son. I told you to do all of that. 
He said, you glorify my Father when you produce much fruit. When you produce much fruit. But let's look at the question, but what does God prune? Here's the easy answer, you ready? Everything that needs pruning. Everything, somebody shout everything. Everything that needs pruning. You say, Pastor, why, would, why, why is that such the simple and right answer? Are you ready? Because God knows what needs to go and God knows what needs to grow. God knows what needs to go and be cut off and God knows what needs to continue to grow in your life. So he prunes everything that needs pruning. So let's go further. God will prune three specific areas in our lives. Three, everybody say three. And by the way, dude, I can't even tell you. I was so excited when I knew I was gonna get to do this today when I get to take these bad boys out of my garage. Like, this is the same feeling I used to get when my mom wouldn't let me play with matches when I was a kid. I am so excited to cut on this tree today. It's gonna be great. And if you, um, uh, if you wanna help me later with nursing this tree back to health, you have my blessing, because I'm gonna have some fun today. I'm not a master pruner, God is, okay? That's great. But there are three areas, three specific places that God prunes us in our lives. Here they are, places that are problematic, places that have potential, and places that are productive. Places that are problematic, places that have potential, and places that are productive. You say, Pastor, what are the places that are problematic? I'm talking about if there are places in your life that are problematic, that means places where there are dead things that shouldn't be dead. Places that are maybe overgrown and are not uh, doing everything according to what God has designed. Or anything, listen, anything that could bring harm. Now when you talk about trees and plants, there are times that there are dead branches on a tree. Or there are times that there are branches that are too high, they're overgrown. Or sometimes in, in plants, there are branches, listen to me, that they get, um, they, they get a, a infected, they get a disease, uh, or they have decay. And so those problematic branches the pruner knows I've got to trim all of those branches because they're not helping the tree. They're actually hurting the tree. They're hurting it. So that's problematic. The second place that, 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 that a pruner would prune, that God would prune us, are places of potential. Did you know a pruner will find a branch that has potential and he will prune it in preparation for what's next? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're listening right now. He, he, will, he will prune places of potential. Let, let me give you an example. Uh, really, if, you, if I could show you today, uh, there would be a, a, a branch that has potential to grow and, and produce things and do great things. All of a sudden, the next thing you know, a pruner will come in and cut it off at a bud or a branch at the right spot in order for it to blossom even more the next spring. That's what it would do. And so I want you to see, give me a spiritual example. Let's do this. Maybe you're here today and you know that God loves you. That's a, how many of you guys know God loves you? That's a wonderful thing. But can I tell you, that's not the end of God. That's just the beginning with God. And so what God says is he says, hey, I want to take that revelation that you have that God loves you. And I want to prune that back because not only do I love you, I also want to use you in my kingdom. And so he will prune you for potential of not just what's happening, but what is to come. I wanna prune you for potential, why? Because God wants to continue to develop all of us for the more that he has for our lives. If you believe that, somebody say amen. And then finally, 
God uses, or God will prune us, and pruners will prune trees and plants, places that have been fruitful. Places that have been fruitful, they will get pruned. Anything that has borne or bore fruit, it will get pruned, and here's why. Any place that's been fruitful and seen growth. I know it doesn't make sense to us sometimes, and I'll cut cutting branches in a minute, but it doesn't make sense for us to say, God, I'm so productive here, why would you trim that back? God, why would you prune this place? Why would you, God, why would you prune my prayer life? God, I'm doing so good talking to you. God, why would you prune me and say, now I need to pray and fast? Because there's more for you that you haven't experienced yet. See, there are places in your lives that you might be being fruitful and doing great. Maybe you're doing great in your marriage. Well, maybe God is calling you to a season to really spend more time focusing on your spouse to have the marriage that reflects God in the earth the way it was designed to. Maybe there are places in your life that have been fruitful. Maybe it's from obedience to hearing God's voice or to your time in God's word or the ministry that you do consistently. It's great that it's been fruitful. But when God comes along and says, I want to put you under construction and I just want to lovingly prune something that's been fruitful, you can't get bitter and mad at God because he knows what you have potential in. He sees what you can do. He sees the end from the beginning. And so rather than saying, no, God, that's fruitful, you should say, yes, God, anytime you want to go under construction, God, anytime you want to prune me, I'm not going to holler, I'm not going to argue, I'm not going to get frustrated, but God, I'm going to trust that you're a master pruner and what you have for me is greater than I've experienced in Jesus' name. If you believe that, somebody say amen. So see, God will take these places in our lives and he will prune us. He will prune us in places of potential. He will prune us in places that are productive. And you say, Pastor, tell me one more time why. Because God is looking for us to not have some fruit, but more fruit. More fruit. Remember that word Greek. It's the Greek word plion, which means quantity and quality. Great in quality and quantity. That means there are deeper depths for you to go and higher heights to get to. But you gotta let God prune you even in those places. Even in the productive places, let God prune you. Look to your neighbor and say, let God prune you. Let God prune you, let God prune you. But I wanna tell you today where I need to go for the rest of our time is that any good pruner will tell you something, church that you must always deal with the problematic branches first. Oh, it's gonna get fun. You must always deal with the problematic branches first. First, listen to me. It's because the problematic places, listen, they're contagious and they can literally affect and infect the branches around it. Now, this is important. I need you to see. This is why my good buddy Timmy's up here today helping me out. Stop laughing that I named the tree. You guys relax. If this branch were infected, if a good pruner does not deal with the problematic branch first, there's potential for that branch, for the disease or the decay or the fungi, whatever it is, to begin to spread to other branches. And the next thing you know, there was just one spot that needed to be dealt with, and now, because a pruner wasn't paying attention, the whole thing has to be cut down. 
How many of you guys know it's not the will of the Lord for us to be cut down? But I'm going to tell you something. If you keep, seeing, keep saying no to pruning, you're going to have more places that God's going to have to keep pruning because God wants to get those things out of you that are causing problems that you don't even see yet. But you've got to say yes to pruning. But I want you to see this, church, because the truth is, is these problematic branches are contagious. And what's interesting, even in this tree, it's interesting to see how close in proximity all of the branches are. It's interesting to me to see how close in proximity all of these branches are. Why? Because can I tell you what's interesting? I told you there are three places. We have problematic places, we have potential places, and we have productive places. Sometimes we can be tempted to let the productive and potential parts of our lives try to cover up the problematic places. Oh, come on now. Sometimes we can, we can get this, this thought that, that we would let the productive and places of potential even try to cover up the problematic places. But I need you to hear me this morning as it pertains to this. Don't ever cover up what God needs to cut off. Don't ever cover up what God needs to cut off. Listen, this is a right now word for us, church. You want to know why? Because we're, we're in the Christmas season. And what do we do with our trees during Christmas? We decorate them. And sometimes we can get away with that, that tree that's been in the attic for eight years because we can cover stuff up and make it go away. Or sometimes if, we, if, 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 if we're late going to the Christmas tree lot to buy a real tree and all they got left is the Charlie Brown Christmas trees, you'll say, you know what, we can make this go away. We can cover this, we can decorate this, we can cover it up. And so many Christians live their lives saying, you know what, I do have some problems, but if I can take where I'm productive and cover it up, if I can take potential and cover it up, then nobody's gonna see it. If I can smile big enough when I come to church, if I can sing loud enough, if I can give enough, if I can serve enough, if I can do all these things where no one sees where I'm really struggling and having problems, then everything's going to be okay. No, it's not because those contagious places are spreading in your heart and they're not helping you, they're hurting you. That's why God says, I love you enough to take you under construction. I love you enough to prune those things in your life because I will prune those things away and where there's been problems, now there will be the promise of fruit again. But let me go a little further. Let me give some specific examples today. Let me get my shears again, come on. I even got the small ones for precision but I don't plan on using these because they're just not my size, these are. I need you to just let the Lord begin to work in your heart right now because I'm telling you, I'm speaking from the Holy Spirit. We do in our hearts just like we do at Christmas with trees. We'll say, well, you know what, Lord? Look at this really fruitful branch, God, of, of where, I've been, where I've been serving and where I've been pouring out. But the truth is, is right around the corner, there's a branch that's full of self-righteousness and, and, and pride that God needs to prune. 
You say, but you don't understand, I've been serving and doing all these things. Yeah, but if you still got pride in your heart, if you're still fighting self-righteousness on a consistent basis, then you need to let God prune you because it doesn't matter how much you serve and how much you pour out. If you don't let God prune the, the problematic places, they're gonna infect every part of who you are. Let me go more. How about this one? How about the fruitful branch of tithing and generosity? Man, I give to the Lord. I bless the kingdom. Look at this fruitful branch of tithing and generosity. But what about this branch back here where you keep talking about people and gossiping? It needs to get pruned. It needs to get pruned. How about this one? How about this? How about this fruitful branch of loving my church family? Oh, I love my church family so well. But in the same thing, you've got a branch in here that other people don't always see, that you love your church family, but you don't care at all about lost people. That needs to get pruned, honey. That needs to get pruned. It needs to get pruned. How about this one, church? How about look at this branch of how I treat my neighbors and my coworkers, and I'm patient and I'm kind, but over here I find that you're hard on your spouse and you're impatient with your own kids. You need to get pruned. You need to get pruned in those places. What about how much I'm achieving in my life? I'm doing all these great things in my career, but over here there's another branch where you have anger and rage that you need to get rid of. God says, I need to prune that place. I need to prune those places in your heart and in your life. Look at this fruitful branch, the branch God of, of Bible reading and, and prayer time, but you still got bitterness towards people. You still got things in your life that God says, I need to prune them and make them better. Church, listen to me. You cannot cover up the problematic places with the productive places. You cannot cover up the problematic places with the places that have potential. You say, Pastor, it sounds like you're saying I need to be perfect. No, I'm saying you need to be pruned. Pastor, this is a strong word, good, and listen why. You will not rise in 2023 with all these secret places hiding in your heart and your life. You will never fulfill the fullness of the calling and the assignment in your life if you don't say yes to being pruned whenever God says, let's get pruned. If you believe that, somebody say amen. We have to see this, church. It's so important. You say, Pastor, the only person who ever lived like that is Jesus. That's why God said, I want to take you under construction so I can keep letting you look like him. To keep reflecting Jesus in every part of your life. I, listen, I, I hope that this is getting your spirit and you're gonna get to a place, we're gonna get in the altar today and you say, we're gonna say, Lord, search us, purify us again. Because church, I'm telling you, there are so many folks that love Jesus that still live in less than because they won't let God prune the problematic places out of their hearts and their lives. But if you'll say yes, you'll see a supernatural difference. If you say yes to pruning, you'll see a supernatural difference. But I've gotta go, I've gotta go one more further and then we're gonna close and pray together. Of all the problematic places, and there's so many, you know what's interesting is that we all have different problematic places. Can I get a witness from somebody? Some people struggle with pride, some people struggle with greed, some people struggle with lust. Some people struggle with, with, with condemnation and judging people all the time. Some people struggle with apathy. Some people struggle with other things. Everybody has different problematic places. So before you look at somebody else's tree and say, oh, they got problems. No, 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 honey, you need to look at yours first. 
But listen, there's this, there's this one specific problem that the Lord told me I had to talk about today. And I need you to get to a place where you will listen to me in love for the next few minutes. Are you with me? There's this place the Holy Spirit told me that we have to make sure that we are paying attention to. The Lord told me we need to be very aware of the poisonous and contagious spirit of religion. Aware of a very poisonous and contagious spirit of religion. Here's what the Lord told me. He said, because I want to prune that off of hearts and lives, I want to prune it off Maker's Church, and I want to prune it off the city of Cincinnati. Now, 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 now hear me for a minute. You say, Pastor, what's the spirit of religion? I'm about to talk about it. Do you guys understand that there are demonic spirits that are trying to rule and reign in this realm? They can't rule and reign in heaven, but they try to rule and reign in this realm. Demonic, oppressive spirits, and listen, they're all counterfeits of what God initially designed. But there's a spirit of religion that God said we need to make sure it's not in our hearts, it's not in Maker's Church, and that God wants to remove it from Cincinnati. The only way it gets removed from Cincinnati is when churches like this one say we're not having it in our church, we're not having that spirit in our homes, and we don't want that kind of spirit in our city in Jesus' name either. And then after we get set free, we need to pray and say, Lord, if there's any other church that's bound by a religious spirit, God set them free too in Jesus' name. God set every church that champions the name of Jesus free from a religious spirit. Let me talk about this for a minute because I need you to see and understand how this might be more applicable to you than you thought. Because when I see something, I immediately I think about this church. We're in this month, the month of December. This is the month we celebrate the truth that Jesus came to the earth. Anybody thankful that Jesus came to the earth to be the Lamb of God for our sins? Come on. But how many of you guys know that when Jesus came to the earth, he did not come to establish a religion? He did not come to earth to establish a new religion. Jesus came to this earth to establish a new reality for humanity called the kingdom of God. Called the kingdom of God. And he desired to show people how to bring heaven to earth. And, and here's what's interesting, the, this truth, when Jesus arrived to the earth as a baby, the people that were supposed to be representing God, the people that were supposed to be representing Yahweh and the earth, do you know what they were operating with? They were operating with a religious spirit. I'm going to go further, but they were operating with a religious spirit. You see, because what we find is that, is, that, is that they were operating with the religious spirit. And as soon as Jesus came, Jesus came operating with the opposite spirit of the religious spirit. The opposite of the religious spirit is the Holy Spirit. The opposite of the religious spirit is the Holy Spirit. And so that's why things like Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16, verse 6, when he said, watch out. Somebody say, watch out. Jesus warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. How many of you guys know yeast is referring to leaven, which rep represents sin? He says beware of it, why? Because we know something about, about leaven. Three pinches of yeast into nine gallons, or, uh, or three pinches of yeast and I don't know how much gallons uh, or how much dough makes like nine gallons of it. When leaven gets into anything, even a small amount, it balloons and takes over. 
And so Jesus said this. He said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now you have to remember something about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the professional religionists of the day. They were the professional religious people. Come on, how many of you guys have met those folks? They were the professional religiousness of Jesus' day. And guess what? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were so religious, they didn't even like each other. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like, well, you're not Pentecostal, so I don't like you. And you're not Baptist, so I don't like you. And you're not Presbyterian, so I don't like you. And you're not this and you're not that. They didn't even like each other when they were supposed to have the same foundation. And so you find that these Pharisees and these Sadducees, they didn't even like each other, but guess what? Both these groups were operating with a religious spirit and Jesus infiltrated the places that they were influencing. So the only time they came together was to kill Jesus. The only time they worked together was when they were trying to get Jesus because Jesus represented something that they could not control and it was the power of the Holy Spirit operating in the earth. And they were going after this together and they were attacking Jesus through the religious spirit. They were attacking the kingdom of God. So let me talk about the religious spirit and how it can still work in our lives today if we're not careful. Because let me tell you about the religious spirit. The religious spirit will always work to stop genuine moves of God. It will always work to stop genuine moves of God. The religious spirit attempts to interfere with the free flow of the Holy Spirit in the sons and daughters of God. It works to do this. You know what religion does? Religion says, well, listen, you guys have a set time that you have to have church. You have to sing this many songs and preach this kind of message. And if I'm not out by this time, I'm leaving and taking my contributions to a place that will meet all of my preferences. That's religion. Everybody say amen. And so we see, let me, there's, there's, there's more. Christy, I've got a slide listing all the things the religious spirit does. If you, if you can find that, throw that up. I want people to see it. You don't have that one. Look at that stupid spirit of religion operating on our computer today. Listen. <laughs> Ridiculous. We're going to lay hands on Dropbox in Jesus' name. <laughs> so listen to me. The religious spirit always works to stop genuine moves of God. The religious spirit tries to interfere with the free flow of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the religious spirit hated what we just did over our sons and daughters. That religious spirit says, no, you keep your kids separate because they're going to mess up my worship time. That's why I said, let's get them in the river with us. So listen, let me go further. The religious spirit promotes works over faith, a performance-based lifestyle. Listen, a religious spirit brings attitudes of legalism and criticism and debate and opinion and judgment. Hear me, th hear me, church. Those things are poisonous, and if any of those religious things are operating, they need to get pruned and they need to get chopped immediately because they oppose the power of the Holy Spirit that's supposed to be operating in through our lives. But those are real things. And here's what's crazy about the religious spirit. It's always easier to point it out in somebody else before we can see it in ourselves. This is where it gets real. 
Because the truth is, if we're not paying attention, that religious spirit will show up in places that we didn't even think it would. And we show up and say, you know what? I don't feel like worshiping today. They didn't sing the songs that I like. That pastor preaches too loud and claps his hands too much. I don't, I, don't, I don't like that they celebrate other generations. I don't like that they, they do this or they do that. Church, those things are in direct opposition to the kingdom of God. Legalism. Listen, how about this one? Being critical. I don't know if you know this, but a critical spirit is not from the Lord. Being critical of other people all the time Listen, if you find yourself being critical of people more than you find celebrating people, you need to check your heart. Because being critical is not in the kingdom. Being critical is not a part of what God says we're supposed to be in Jesus' name. If you find yourself judging people, if you find yourself condemning, always, always being led by your opinion, always saying, well, it's about what I want and I see these things and these things and these things, listen to me. Those things don't bring unity to the body of Christ. They bring division. And do you know what the greatest threat and enemy of vision from God is? It's division. It's division. It brings division. When we operate in those things, it brings division to the body of Christ. If you say, well, pastor, I can't have opinions. Yes, you can have an opinion, but your opinion is not greater than the obedience God commands you to have. Sure, you can have an opinion, but it is always secondary to what God has already said. Come on, somebody. So listen, the camera's on me, I might as well say, I don't care if they tell me that I can't preach against same-sex marriage. My opinion is secondary to what God has already said. I don't care that some churches say, well, we don't let people, we don't let people that don't know Jesus into our church. Honey, this place is a hospital, and I would rather have it filled five times over with people that don't know Jesus, that don't know anything about the church, that don't know anything about God, than fill it with nothing but church people that hop from church to church to church to church. I want to see the harvest come in in Jesus' name. And we have to make sure that we don't let our opinions and our preferences drive our relationship with Jesus. Because if that's the case, you don't have relationship and sonship, you've got religion. And I'm gonna tell you this, religion will cause you to not rise in 2023. Religion will keep you right where you are. Religion is what killed Jesus. So listen, if you want to die, then be led by religion. If you want to be raised to life, step into the kingdom. Where it's free, it's free of opinion, it's free of legalism, it's free of cynicism and having critical spirits and hearts. But church, we have to see something. This is why it's so important. We cannot let a religious spirit be in us, be in our church, be in our home, and even operate in our city. But until somebody recognizes it and stands up and fights in the spirit realm, we will all be oppressed by a spirit of religion. When Jesus said, I have come to break all of those things so you can operate with the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. I don't want there to be any problematic branches in my life that would keep me 
from the purpose and the potential that God has for me. God prunes it all, but you can never let God, as you say, you know what, God, I'm glad that you have your shears, God. I'm glad that you do, but Lord, you can't touch this part of me. You can't touch this part of me. No, God, any place you need to prune, I want you to prune. Any place, God, you want to, you need to put me under construction. I say yes to you. Why? Because God does not just see your present, he sees your future. And there is more for you, and there's more for this house. If we will finish this year saying, God, put us under construction, and God, whatever you want to prune, I give you permission to prune.